0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Grief with your host, Addie Anderson. While death and loss are subjects that nobody likes to discuss, you need to prepare for it and deal with it effectively. On our program, we talk to professionals as well as friends and family members who have lost loved ones to help you help others and understand the grief process. Now, here is Addie Anderson.
1: Hi. My name is Addie Anderson, and it is indeed a pleasure for me to be here with you today to spend this afternoon on the first episode of Let's Talk About Grief. I am a psychotherapist, and I have been up front and close, you know, having the opportunity to really bear witness to the intense pain of grief in many of the clients that I've seen over the years. It was that experience I had with clients that actually gave me the desire to help, you know, and also start on this journey of learning all I can about grief because I genuinely wanted to be of service. And let me tell you, I learned a lot. I'm continuing to learn and I expect to learn even more from the guests on this show as well as from the listeners that I hope are able to listen in weekly to help us talk about grief. Simply put, it is my hope that this show gets us talking about grief. I plan to have professionals and non-professionals on and uh, hoping that they will give us some insight on all things grief, death, and dying. It is my opinion, and that's just my opinion, (laughs) that we've been doing it all wrong. So this show will bring a different perspective to the issue that is universal to all nations and nationalities. So what is grief? Sometimes, you know, we don't understand exactly what that is. Grief is the natural reaction to a loss. And notice that I said loss, not death. Because any major loss that you experience in your life, it's possible that you will have similar reactions that you would to someone who died. Uh, Grief is not pathological, and it's not something that needs to be fixed. So if anyone is trying to fix your grief, that is not a good thing, and it makes it very difficult for you to go through. It's an experience. Grief is an experience that each of us can expect to have the longer we live. There is a statistic out there that says that we can expect to have a major loss in our lives every seven to nine years. So you see, the longer you live, the the, uh, more you can expect to experience these losses. As well, grief grief does not only affect us emotionally, We tend to see it uh, as just an emotional reaction, but we also have physical and spiritual reactions to grief. My guest today is going to share with us her grief experience. Her name is Pamela Higgins. Pamela is a wife, mother, grandmother, sojourner, and bereaved parent. In 2013, the unthinkable happened when she learned of the unexpected traumatic death of her 19-year-old son, Samuel Christopher. Pamela has always enjoyed health, fitness, creativity, and living life to the fullest. Growing up, she walked through humbling experiences, but she kept pushing through as others helped her find her path. However, Nothing could have prepared her for that tragic day in July 2013 when she lost her son. Pamela finds strength in her faith, family, friends, and fitness. She is also a prolific writer and writes about her grief experience in her reflections. And we plan to have her read two of her reflections for us today. Pamela, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Addie. Thank you very much for having
1: me. It is a pleasure to have you, and let me share something with you. This morning, well, generally most mornings, I do like a three-mile, pretty brisk uh, walk. This morning, I decided that I would run a bit more than I walked. And as I was doing that, I was thinking about you, because I've heard you speak about how fitness has really helped you through this process, as well as that you are an avid runner. So I was thinking that, you know, based on us getting together and connecting on the show today, that I would just kind of, you know, get out there and do a bit more running than I would usually do. And so as I was thinking about that, how just in this little brief period of time that, you know, us connecting, you've inspired me in that way. I would imagine that over the years and the people who've been able to hear your story, that um, they have probably been inspired also in ways that you did not even expect. Has that been your experience?
2: Um, Possibly, I'm sure. There have been other people that have inspired and touched me deeply that they were unaware of my experience and unaware of where I'm walking on this new journey. And so I think we all, as we navigate life and, and move through life, we um, have very, very significant relationships in our Mm -hmm. life. Um, And so I hope that I have, I'm helping someone along the way as others are yet to making deposits into my mental mm-hmm. and emotional and spiritual accounts. So I, I hope that I am um, also, you know, writing some checks out there too in other people's lives.
1: Yeah, I I feel pretty sure that you are. So why don't we start, uh, Pamela, with you telling us about Samuel. What was he like? You know, what are some of the things he liked, and what were his hopes for the future? Okay, well, Samuel,
2: um, as you mentioned, he was my 19-year-old, our firstborn, and um, he was fun and rambunctious and energetic and just had a beautiful smile. He was uh, sensitive and shy and, and in many ways just courageous and um, sometimes complicated. Uh, he was loyal and hardworking. He was uh, loved sports. Um, he was um, you know, Sports really was a gift to him um, to help him navigate through some of the challenges of just, you know, going from adolescence and, and just growing a little bit. But he loved basketball. That was his first love, and football, and he was adventurous and... Um, worked hard, and he was just the energy in our house. You knew he was there. When he walked into the room, you knew he was there, and and that's a wonderful thing. And um, it was very, very dramatic and and unbelievable when the Mm -hmm. music stopped in the house. Mm.
1: I I understand that. Now, I have also... um, read how you've compared your early experience of grief to that of being on a movie set, which I think could be a great analogy. So how did you come about that?
2: Well, um, I I guess I'm a creative and visual person, but um, my interpretation is you're introduced and you're taken on a set and all of a sudden you're just kind of Thrown in there, uh, you, you're there, uh, <laughs> just thrown in there, unequipped, unprepared, and I just equate it to perhaps maybe a horse, and you're, you're there, and you, you have no bearings, no introduction, no preparation, and you're just there, um, and it's raw, and mm-hmm. it's devastating, it's hard to believe, and it's hard to imagine, and that's what it felt like for me with our family when that phone call came, um, you know, you're, you're trying to process it and try and see if it's really real, and yet your heart is racing. And for us, we're hoping for an outcome that is not fatal. It's not ending. And that's what it felt like. We just stepped onto um, a live set unprepared unscripted, and it was, it was a, a journey that we did not know that would continue even into this day. Um, it, it was very, very traumatic for our family. Um, the very foundation of our family was just shaken, and it, you can equate it to an earthquake. It comes and the tremors, and when things begin to shift and move and fall off, the walls in your house that's what it felt like things were falling and they did not just come they, they continued in waves and so trying to find help and stability
1: mm. oh wow it, yeah i mean i know and have seen the devastation that can come from grief and so comparing it to being on a movie set almost like it's something as you said before it's unreal like a nightmare that you're trying to process wrap your brain around and figure out hey is this something that's really happening or not and just hoping that I would imagine that when you sleep you go to sleep and you wake up the next day that you're hoping that that dream was actually a dream what you know, what happened was actually a dream. Yes. And you and I've and I've
2: experienced it and I've heard from many others on this journey that you especially early on, that you wake up and you wake up and I'm still here. This is real. Um, and oftentimes some maybe can't sleep. I still experience insomnia, but there are times that early on I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted to sleep so I could not feel the pain. But, um, you know, early on you're you're just trying to figure out up from down, left from right, and it, it really feels like everything has stopped. You know that people are still getting up. People are still going to work. People are still going about their responsibilities. But everything has stopped, at least for me in that moment. Everything stopped. And I I just felt like I just wanted to scream and just stop. My son is no longer here. Everybody, just stop.
1: Wow. I totally, I totally understand that. And so, prior to Samuel's death, what was your experience to loss and death in general? Um, have you had any other major losses a, that you you're had familiar? To do
2: with? And you have close encounters. I mean, there's various types of loss as, as we navigate through life. There's loss of relationships, of friendships, of work, of things such as bad, but um, I had lost my mother seven years before Samuel, and um, and I miss her deeply, and I was hurt, but um, I can't compare the loss of a child, and not that you're um, minimizing um, mm-hmm. the loss of other relationships, whether it's a family member, but Um, the loss of a child or grandchild or sibling, it feels like part of you has died. And there was a song that I played by a well-known artist that it really hit to the matter of where I was, and I remember playing the song over and over and over again, um, just trying to, to, to understand Uh, Mm. trying to get a feel of what was going on and I remember writing to the artist that I know you wrote this song before this devastation happened to me but I feel like you wrote the song for my life
1: Mm. Well, and that is something that you were able to kind of tap into to help you get through or go through what you were going through Yes, and there were, there were many
2: helps. I mean, I had a playlist on my my phone, that the songs that I would play to help me uh, relax, try and help me relax, try and help me sleep for the few hours that I was sleeping. And there were books that I read just trying to see how people navigate. And they were not all dealing with loss, but they were just dealing with how you persevere, how do you move forward
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: with great challenge in your life. And, and so those were tools for me. Uh, I have always enjoyed writing, and journaling became my lifeline. Uh, writing reflections, meditation, help, and always prayer for me because faith is very um Important and instrumental in my life and exercise. So you know, faith, family, and friends, and fitness—they um, played a, a significant part um, in in my healing journey. And continue to do so. Um, they continue to do so. Okay. And yeah, and sometimes you know, your faith is shaken. I went through periods of just um, uh, just not understanding. How could this be? And and so even when you hear a faith, there can be times where you feel like you have no faith or very little faith or you are angry.
1: Yeah, I totally, I I definitely understand that. And so we're going to take a break, Pamela. And when we come back from the break, I would love for you to read one of your reflections. Let's start with that. And um, I think we'll be able to hear in those reflections, just how you were moved, how you were able to use your words to express to others how you were feeling and what you were going through. And just the magic of being able to do that, I think I'm imagining it was extremely helpful. So we'll be right back.
0: Are there times when you feel inadequate dealing with the difficult emotions of grieving families? Would you like to help these families but don't know where to start? If so, grief counselor Addie Anderson can help. Discover what many funeral homes already know about meeting the emotional needs of families that they serve. Be a valued resource to families during a time when they need it most. They'll appreciate your commitment to their well-being. Call Addie Anderson at 708-870-6255 to schedule a conversation consultation build a better business achieve that goal make good on that resolution the voice america empowerment channel it's your world motivate change succeed This is Let's Talk About Grief with Addie Anderson. If you want more information about our program, please feel free to visit therapyoakpark.net. That's therapyoakpark.net. Now, back to Let's Talk About Grief.
1: Welcome back. It's a pleasure to have you back with us today. Pamela Higgins is the guest we went into break, sharing that when we came back, that she will uh, read one of her reflections. So, Pamela, why don't you go ahead and do that now?
2: Okay. This was titled, and it came later, Does Hope Still Live Here? When disbelief knocked at my door and sadness bolted in, objectivity tipped out, and sorrow became my constant tomorrow. Tears were my nightly companion. Sadness was the alarm clock without a snooze option. Anxiety dressed me a lot of mornings. Questions, anger, denial, regret, depression occupied my day. Numbness and nothingness bombarded my thoughts. Something within whispered. Does hope still live here? I tried to ignore the whisper, but it spoke at uninvited and unexpected times, louder, more frequently. Does hope still live here? Forgiveness would echo, you need me. Comfort would repeatedly show up. receive me. kindness said I'm here. I quietly told caution to sit down. Wait a minute, but don't leave just yet. Comfort and kindness kept popping up and unannounced. Time they'd hug, smile, wink, invade my space, interrupt my thoughts. Again, the whisper Does hope still live here? Then comes compassion. He is bold. He won't wait for an invite as he chides by the way. I've brought with me a few friends. Let me introduce you to time, prayer, counseling, tenderness, laughter, special memories, and special moments. And once again, the whisper, the contemplative thought does still live here. Trust did not wait for my reply. He spoke, open your heart again. Give me a chance. Open your heart again. Let the healing begin. I stumbled upon a waterfall of exhausting, empty, baffling tears. Love held my hand and I choked and confided, I don't know if I can. Love stroked my cheeks and kissed my forehead and squeezed my right hand. His voice thundered and lit up my heart. His calm voice soothed my broken heart. His words were clear, penetrating. I will be with you always. And I remembered and I understood. I accepted and acknowledged that hope still resides. At this address, hope still lives here.
1: Thank you. um, Thank you for sharing that. I, when I first read that, I was just struck by probably the conflict that you experienced and a lot of us who grieve experience, you know, it's all of the emotions that are within you going back and forth from anger and hope and calmness and compassion and regret, all of those emotions just kind of live within you. And having the experience of just going back and forth all the time, I would imagine is wow, just kind of something you, as we know, just don't want to even have to experience.
2: Yes, and this was written in March. I typically date whether I journal or write just so I can help track where I am and how my thinking is But this was written in March of 2017 and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say I was on top of the world and, and was his head healed and moved on, but the question just came, and it came from deep within, and, you know, you kind of looked like, okay, did somebody say something to me? Mm The question, I didn't think I was down or having a bad day, but um, maybe at this point I could hear it and perhaps was more receptive to it, to the question early on. I was probably bombarded with so much. And it's hard to process a lot. That was the question. That was the positive my spirit. Does mm-hmm. hope still live here?
1: I love your four F's, Pamela. The four F's, faith, family, friends, and faith. How were these entities instrumental in helping you?
2: Well, my faith is, uh, and that's just me, even when I don't understand, that's, it's faith. And so, you know, I have to look for hope and comfort from the source that I understand. I have to be honest, and and it was moments that I just, I don't have to carry the pain alone. And to me, it was important to align with people who would intercede for me, who would intercede for me, and would care about me. Mm-hmm. And with family, um, you know, I had to be, uh, it took me a while to process and still process, and you share when you can with family, because every, even you um, understand, you educate as you choose to do so, or you have strength to do. And mm-hmm. monopolize, Someone's emotions or their understanding, because you may just dis- be disappointed, and it may create even more distance. Um, you have to give people room and to love you as they know how and how they're prepared to do so. And it may not be in the manner that we would expect. Um, and relationships may sometimes be strained or they change. Um, you know, with my friends, I you know I it's, it when peaks into. My faith journey. it was overwhelming mm. for me for someone that's not on it um, it I'm sure can be it's hard for them to fathom and relate to the next real. know um, yeah, and, yeah. you know I say I did share more as you feel safe you know and relationships they do change new relationships come along and are always forming and that's the one thing and um, then Fitness, you have to take care of yourself. At some point, you've got to find the strength to do the work that needs to be done so you can not just, you know, survive, but that you can navigate the path in this new normal. Um, and for me, exercise um always it became even more important. Sometimes you just resolve, you get false so it the not back so much but it's, just, it's sweated out
1: yeah I agree with you and especially when you say to do the work that has to be done I often tell people that uh, grief is not one of those things where time heals all wounds it's what you do within that time span that's going to help you get through it and it's also not unusual like you said for people to kind of just away, They don't know what to say. Sometimes they end up saying the wrong thing, Uh, not intentionally. I think people, for the most part, have good intentions, not recognizing, though, that some of the stuff they say is not very helpful. And some of them might be, uh, well, they're in a better place or just give it time. What about, uh, you probably, I don't know if you've heard, but a lot of people will say, well, you need to be strong for such and such. In other Mm. words, uh, don't pay so much of attention or ignore what you're feeling and going through so you're able to be strong and be there for other people. You know, those things are not useful for the most part in helping people get through grief, did you experience
2: anything like that? Um, yes, and we all have experienced. But I've heard others say that you have to hear people's hearts sometimes, and not their words. And sometimes they can be there can be words that are very insensitive and blatantly insensitive. But for the most part, people want you better. They want mm-hmm. to see you doing better. So um, when they're saying, "Well, they're in a better place," or um, you have other children, right? That, that is, I'm, I'm assuming, their hope that that would, you know, give you some inspiration, give you some courage that you need. Because for the most part, I think people love you enough and care about you enough that they want to see you doing better. And it may not always come out that way. So over time, you start to understand that you try and hear their heart their words and so you may have to you know you have a little mental emotional basket okay we'll put this here these are the light things these are the just like sorting laundry and you, you have to do that and at times you just dismiss it and let it go because it becomes too heavy when you mention the, the the saying there the time heals all wounds there is a quote that I have that was shared with me by Rose Kennedy and she mm-hmm. lost quite a bit and there have been others that have lost, but she said it's been said that time heals all wounds. I do not agree to remain in time. The mind protecting the sanity covers them with scar tissue.
1: Hmm.
2: And the pain lessens. It is never gone. Absolutely. And we we develop muscle. We develop emotional muscle mental muscle, um, but the pain is still there. Like someone that has, that has had a limb amputated, they still if they had a limb to start, they remember the functioning part, but now this is the new place that they're in.
1: Mm-hmm. And how
2: do I navigate life now? And it takes time continually to find new strength, mm-hmm. community with people community with people, and then finding ways to give of yourself because giving, for me, has helped a great deal, taking me out of my place mentally and emotionally but pouring into someone else and they not ever having, having to know my story. And that was a safe place for me. I could not go back to doing what I did, but I was working in another capacity. No one knew my story. No one knew me. And that was safe for me at that time.
1: Wow. I think this might be a good place for us to um, for you to share about compassionate friends. You're involved yes, with compassionate I would love friends. To. Will you explain I would to us what to. that is and how you got involved?
2: The compassionate friends and the acronym is TCF is a national and international resource for families that have experienced the loss of a child or grandchild or a sibling. Um, it's been around since 1978. There are over 600 local chapters in the U.S., and um, there are 30 other entities in other countries that we have support systems in place. It started in England and, and came to the U.S., a family um, sought out that resource when they lost their daughter. And right now, as I said, we have over 600 logical chapters that meet monthly. Um, whatever the day is that's designated for that chapter, they meet monthly. And you discuss issues, and there's a theme each month. Uh, and then they, you break out into small groups. Uh, during the month of December, there's a candle lighting, which is very special and very beautiful, a national candle lighting goes on, and there's a continuous on um, a certain hour. Um, candles, as the time zone changes, that candle is lit for an hour in honor of that child that was lost. Um, that's December. In June, there may be a balloon release, um, and there's a picnic where you invite family members. Uh, during getting close to the holidays, October, you start talking about getting through the holidays because those are significant times where the emphasis is on family and and those special moments, and those can be very challenging times. There are many dates that are challenging, but when you hit those holidays, um, you know, Christmas and, you know, the Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, if you think of summer, family reunions, those things become very difficult, and over time you're expected to, you know, revert back to your old self. You expect it to be your old self after a short time. And for me, I'm still in the same body, but I'm no longer the same. And I think that's with any significant thing that happens in your life that impacts your life. There would not be a cure, you know, a race for the cure. Susan Coleman had not honored her sister. There would not be amazing grace if this man the slave trader that the the delivered slaves was not convicted. So anything that impacts your life begins to change the trajectory trajectory of your life. And that can be a good thing for other people that follow. You know research. Somebody had to go through something health wise for research to be established. And so um, we don't choose our platforms. so We don't choose our areas to impact people's lives. We just find, as we navigate through life, um, things have mm. move forward.
1: So that's, yeah. um, and, and, and it's that's so important, it's too, um, uh, to have a support system, to have people that you can connect yes. with who understands... What you're going through, even though we know and that you no one's grief is the same, and, and you I would imagine that you got from is. or yes. even get from there are many resources friends. out there.
2: But for me, the compassionate friend was introduced. Friends was introduced to our family, and it has been instrumental in our healing. It's peer-to-peer support. Nobody comes in being the expert. We come in and we share our stories and we talk about our children and our grandchildren and our siblings and, and their memory and, and there are people that have been attending meetings for years. Not that they still need that level of support and help, but they're helping new, new people that they walk through the door. I'm part of the national chapter and it's a, a very large chapter and on any given meeting we can have twelve to fifteen families coming in or couples with loss um, and helping them see that there is a future for you.
0: Because That's awesome.
2: It's hard to believe, but when you experience loss, you you feel like that. you know, do I want to <laughs> what is yeah. my living going to look like and can I really I make that. this and it's nice. And We're it's coming cool. up on another
1: break. So, uh, when we come back, you kind of hinted at this when you were talking about compassionate friends, re- remembering your loved one. I'd like for you to share with us when we get back just how you keep Christopher's uh, memory alive. Okay. Would you be willing to do that? Yes, thank you. Okay, we'll be right back.
0: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are there times when you feel inadequate dealing with the difficult emotions of grieving families? Would you like to help these families but don't know where to start? If so, grief counselor Addie Anderson can help. Discover what many funeral homes already know about meeting the emotional needs of families that they serve. Be a valued resource to families during a time when they need it most. They'll appreciate your commitment to their well-being. Call Addie Anderson at 708-870-6255 to schedule a consultation. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Let's Talk About Grief with Addie Anderson. If you want more information about our program, please feel free to visit TherapyOakPark.net. That's TherapyOakPark.net. Now, back to Let's Talk About Grief.
1: Welcome back. We're still speaking with uh, Pamela Higgins as we were going to the break um, uh, I asked Pamela when we came back if she would talk about how she keeps Chris, Christopher's memory alive because I think that is so important that we try and keep our loved ones' memories going for future generations. And so, Pamela, how do you, how do, you do that? It's
2: important because Samuel was, is, and will be a very part of my life, um, just like my other children and, and my grandchild. Um, so there's some people may start up a fun or a uh, fundraiser to remember their child, or, or they may tie in with um, a community event to, to to remember their child. But for me, I'm a running enthusiast. So oftentimes on certain races, I can um, design my bib, the race bib, and you can put on there what you like. And so I put fun things like, you know, Sam and Tam are running, or Mom and, and Sam are running again, or Love Forever. And for me, that's the way he would run with. Both sons growing up, they were runners, too, and we'd run five ks and ten k's. Those are three miles and, and six mile runs. And so we hit the pavement together and have a good time on the road. But those are that's one of the areas that I try and remember Samuel. And then when I make deposits in other people's lives, you mentioned that earlier, um, I can hear his voice. Sometimes even with maybe a young person that may be experiencing challenge or troubles, mom, stop. Mom, say something. I can hear his voice saying that I can feel his spirit um, encouraging me to step out of myself and help others. And um, people always find wonderful ways to remember a loved one. Um, you find ways to honor, to build a, if you will, a, you know, place to pause and reflect, to continue to include that person that's very significant in your life, to continue to honor them, to continue to remember them, uh, other people will forget, not that they don't care about them or they don't care about you, but they too will forget, and you can't always expect them to remember the important dates and Birth dates and, and maybe the anniversary date uh, of, of their passing. That's that's on you to do that over time and how you want to share and include other people in. Um, whether it's a balloon release, um, whether it's a dinner, uh, whether we're just going to have a, a birthday celebration. That's one of the beautiful things TCF each month. There's a birthday table. So we don't sit around and just cry, we laugh, we tell stories about our children, but there's a birthday table out. So if your child was born in that month, you bring a special memento, a treat, We do lots of treat eating there, so <laughs> cakes and sweets, so ways to remember your child and um, to keep that love that's burning inside of you because your child has left this side um, doesn't mean that love is left this side, love is still there and um, the richness of that love it's very living and breathing, um, and so you you, you you don't shut it off. It's still living and breathing, even though your loved one may not be living and breathing on this side. Love is still very much active and there.
1: That is so true, and and you know that that connection and that bond continues. Um now I heard I've had clients say to me that they get I don't not upset but hurt I think when other people won't use or say their loved ones name anymore. And a lot of people will choose not to because they think if they do that they're going to make that person feel sad. But the reality is that that people
2: want to hear their loved one's name. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes. Yes, that is, I feel that way and I know many have said that and, and that is a universal, I think, truth. People do feel that, well, oh, I don't want to upset them. And uh, sometimes, and oftentimes they don't want to upset you, but sometimes they don't want to go there with you. Mm-hmm. But um, to acknowledge someone's name, uh, just it, it, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, it may make up. May make someone sad at different times, or they may up or get emotional. But I think it's even worse when you don't acknowledge and don't recognize um, that that loved one, and 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 you cannot say their name. It, it's like something sitting odd, very very odd, on your table. And you you want to question it or, or point it out, but you don't see anything, and so it becomes very obvious, and the the, the conversation, or uh, the interaction, becomes very strained. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's like you have to suppress a side of yourself, and after a while, you can do that. You know, if you know it's brief, I won't see this person again. Okay, I can walk through this. Mm-hmm. But when it's a, a relationship that's supposed to be ongoing, it becomes very strained because you are suppressing a side of you, very much yeah. a part of you that is still alive.
1: Absolutely, and so and a lot of times on that note. It's important that uh, grievers, especially for people who are close to them, it's important for grievers to share what they need and how they need people to show up for them. Because if you don't, then you will have those awkward moments and the tension in the relationship. And and you don't want that relationship to get to a point to where it just kind of dissolves because these people are important to you.
2: And it takes time to get there. Um, You know, I've heard people say you have to educate people or tell them what you need. It takes time to get there because early on, you're so confused and baffled and and trying to navigate. How can I tell someone what I need when I don't know what I need and I've never, you know, experienced this before? Um, Mm -hmm. Again, going back to that on the stage, I can't tell you how to read the script and how to be the director when I'm just thrown in there, you know, it, it's very new. So how can I tell someone what I need very early on? But hopefully there there will be patience and time that and strength and healing. Well, I will be able to convey that to you and tell you a little bit more. Or You know, this is when you don't say my loved one's name. This is how I feel. I have a brother that is tapped in and I, he tries to understand why I am. And early on... We started, I would say, in the text or in the message, and say Samuel hugs or Samuel had fives, and it took a minute to grasp what I was doing, and and but yet he's there chiming in, and and it's the lovely share. And then other sojourners on the journey, we will say things like our children hug sandwich, and we'll mention our children's name, or um, uh, Samuel rainbows, and and a dear sojourner that I walk with in tall oh, those blonde and blue eyes and I'm this Afri- African-American female and we're sisters that we can say Travis love and Samuel hugs and I call her my soul sister because that is truly what she is and so grief goes beyond um, you know, what's in your pocketbook and your zip code in your neighborhood and the color of your skin grief is a universal language just like yes. a smile grief is that and you build relationships beautiful relationships that come into your life um because you don't have to talk about your loss you know that you're walking through it and it's the same i'm sure with veterans people that have significant relate Mm -hmm. and then you can just relate to somebody that's going through challenge
1: that is so true and um you know, grief definitely is a universal experience. It doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter your race, nationality, income, nothing. It's a universal experience that as long as we live, we will have that, that experience for ourselves. And also just to uh, chime a bit on what you were saying, early on it is, it is definitely hard for a griever to share with other people what they might need which is important for other people, for people in their circle to anticipate what those needs are and to fulfill those. Oftentimes you will hear people say, well, when you need something, call me, give me a call and I'll do such and such. Most of the time that's not gonna happen. So if you know someone needs uh, a meal or if you know someone needs to have their dog walked daily, Whatever those practical daily activities are that people go through, and and you know that that person grieving has those same needs. So just to kind of anticipate those needs and jump in and do what you can. I think people appreciate that a lot.
2: Yes, and it, it doesn't have to be major, as you said. You know, we all have to keep living, but when someone has experienced loss early on, those Tasks and responsibilities and things that you did on your day on a day-to-day basis become very difficult and very confused and and sometimes it's just as simple as a thumbs up to somebody, just a wink, even if you're sitting across somebody on a Thanksgiving on a Thanksgiving meal and you know they've experienced loss at Christmas. All you have to do is maybe put your hand on their hand or give them a wink or a nudge. That. That travels far because, one, it's telling them you acknowledge that this may be a difficult moment and I'm stepping out and I'm trying to be present at this moment. But you're walking in two worlds. And I feel like for me, as I've heard with many, that you start walking in two worlds and two experiences. Um, there's happiness, there's loss. And I, July is exactly that for me. Everything happened in July with my son Samuel from losing him to finding his remains and the funeral. But yet in that month, there are three birthdays in our household also. So there's death and birth and navigating your emotions. are up and down, up and down, and you're trying to walk in two places. And you can't always just go out and, you know, you still have to go out and work. You still have to go out and communicate. You still have to go out and take care of life. And yeah. it becomes quite challenging. So just a little encouragement. Sometimes just a smile, just a mm-hmm. hug, just a wink, just a yeah. nod. Just, just to be. telling somebody that I got you, I understand.
1: Yes, yes, that acknowledgement and validation. And just being yes. able to bear witness to what you're going through. And to just be there. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. You just yeah. need, need somebody yeah. who can be there as you're going through. So we're coming up towards it's the end, the end of the um, show. You know, I, I would imagine that you you, you did talk about a mother that you have connected with through this journey. What would you say to other mothers who has lost a child? Um,
2: You know, I... I just some things that, and again, this has come with time. Um, give yourself a pass card. Often. Give yourself a pass card. Early on, don't try and put a lot of pressure on yourself. Don't try and okay. be a lot to a lot of people. Um, get help. Get help. Get help.
0: <laughs>
2: Find community. <laughs> Find yes. community. Work at your healing. Work at becoming stronger mentally and emotionally and work at becoming healthy for you. Um, that there are people that you have not met yet that will meet you on the journey. You may not have met them early on, but they will be there. Help will be there. Community will be there. Um, and just that you're stronger than you, you think. Um, you feel like you're ready to break into a million pieces or you you have broken into a million pieces, but um, you're stronger than you think, and there'll be another person through their own life experiences, and maybe it's not death per se, that will add insight and perspective and courage and wisdom um, and fuel for your spirit in your mind um, that they will provide that through their experiences
1: wow thanks thank you so much Pamela for sharing that it has been an absolute honor for you to uh, for me to have you on the show as my first guest (laughs) for Let's Talk About Grief I hope that others out there have gotten something uh, that they can take with them on their grief journey so thank you so much
2: uh, I've enjoyed connecting with,
1: with everyone today. You know, so that we can stay in touch, please like my Facebook page at Begin With Think Counseling Services. You can follow me on Twitter at Begin With Addie. Email me at Lest at gmail.com or call 708 870 6255 if you have a show idea or if you'd like to be a guest. Be sure to listen next week when my guest will be Dr. Chandra Johnson, who will talk about how black men grieve. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. And um, I hope we're able to continue this journey. Anything else you'd like to end with, Pamela? Okay. No.
2: Um, I well, that's appreciate it. your that's time it. And sensitivity.
1: We'll leave it with that word today then. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk About Grief. Please join your host, Addie Anderson, again next Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, be there for a loved one who might need you this week.